Well, bless the Lord. Is this working? It is. Amen. Amen. Hey, where's that drummer, by the way? What's your name? Is he? Is he? I'm a drummer too. Um, can I give you a gift? Get yourself some drumsticks, okay? Or get yourself a Big Mac at the end. Do you know, I used to be that exuberant when I was 15 years old. How old are you, Izzy? 13, wow. I, I um, you know, people used to say that the drums back in church, back in the 70s and 80s, that the drums were the devil's instrument. So when I was asked to play in church, I felt so, there were two ladies at the back that just couldn't stand the drums. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ saved my soul and I was going to bang them things as loud as I could and glorify his name. I was doing it for the devil. I was playing in pubs and clubs and, 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 and all over the place, pubs, universities and uh, with the band and, and all that junk stuff that I used to do. But I tell you what, when Jesus Christ saved this soul, I was ready to give him praise. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It says, praise him on the loud cymbals. Praise him on the... The, the, the higher symbols. You keep banging those things for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen and well done. Come on, let's applaud drummers. We often, uh, you know, we often have the singers and the guitarists, those at the front. My voice isn't the best, so I think that's why God put me at the back and, and started playing drums. But uh, praise God. We've just got a female drummer in our church. My life, when I get back on those drums, it's like, it's like somebody has attacked them. You know, they don't play them these days. They attack them. <laughs> but uh, you keep going, Izzy. You keep playing for Jesus Christ. He will bless you. You know, as years go on, you will get better and better and better. But you're good anyway. Well done. Uh, thank you. Can I go now? Is that, is that good enough encouragement? Hey, I just wanted to say a big thank you. Thank you, Vicky, and thank you to the whole church. Um, you know, we came along at Christmas time, and I just wanted to say that I brought my family along and a couple of others, and we really did enjoy the, uh, the Christmas, um, I don't know, whatever you called it, but it, it, it was fantastic. Wow, what a great output from this church. You really did bless your community. The place was packed, wasn't it? Uh, and the hot chocolates and everything else, wow, and you sounded lovely, the singers and everything that you were doing, and wow, it was just a great effort. So God bless you all, and well done for that. Uh, just wanted to uh, big you up for what you did there at Christmas and your, your lovely event. Also, thank you for giving me a theme this morning. I believe that you are doing a discipleship theme. You know, a lot of us pastors... We go out to the churches and we preach and sometimes we take our best sermons and we hope that they're going to work. But at least you've nailed it down and you've got a theme of uh, discipleship, um, which many churches, by the way, avoid these days. This, this is a subject, so I want to say well done to you as a team here uh, for taking the theme of discipleship. You know, you obviously take that seriously and you want to see people discipled. Amen. You know, I've often heard it said that the Great Commission has become the Great Omission or the Great Suggestion or the Great Option. Well, it's not any of those. In fact, the Great Commission is, and it's what I've called my first point, and I believe Millie is putting my points up there. Thank you again, Millie. I haven't got another fiver, but I'll give you one next time. <laughs> number, one, number one is this. You've got to be a drummer, Millie, okay? Number one is a div the divine imperative. 
the divine imperative. If you've got your Bibles, just look at those verses at Matthew uh, 28, verses 18 to the end, or 16 to the end. It says, Then the eleven disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, that's what it's there for. That's what Uncle Jeff told me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you. Amen. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The divine imperative. You know, Jesus t tells us, first of all, to go. That's off the battle, isn't it, church? To go. We don't want to go. We don't want to do. We don't want to move out. So, you know, it really is a battle these days for so many people to go. And the second thing is to go and make. Go and make. You know, make disciples, not decisions, not converts. You know, we've got a church local to us. I won't mention it, but, you know, they get loads saved. And sometimes I think, Lord, we're just getting one or two people saved at our place. And yet every time I look at that church, they're getting loads of people saved. Uh, they're getting regular baptisms. But one lady told me this. She says, yeah, we're seeing all of this. People are coming, but people are also going. There's no stickability. And we know what the problem is. It's discipleship. So that pastor has agreed uh, in a few months' time to do something on discipleship. Church, we all need discipling. Deck Dutfield needs discipling. Even now, I still need discipling. Is that true? You know, converts to Jesus. This is what someone said. Converts to Jesus who are not disciples of Jesus is a clear contradiction in terms. It's a must for me. It's a must for the church that I pastor. We have to be discipled and we have to disciple. You know, Timothy Keller said this, discipleship is not an option. Jesus says that if, we, if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. One pastor that I was listening to recently said this, discipleship is crucial to our ultimate dis, uh, destiny. But it's a, it's a cost. It's a total uh, commitment. Billy Graham said, uh, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. And this is one thing I've learned, you know, God will, you know, God never seems to force a willing obedience out of us, does he? God has never forced me to do anything. Uh, and this is certainly the same thing with discipleship. At the end of the day, church, we have an option when it comes to being discipled and discipling. It's actually a command. Jesus commands this. And commands are not options, are they? Do you know, we got one lad in our church. He's had so many jobs, dear me. Uh, we try to encourage him into work. I won't mention his name just in case this is being recorded. <laughs> Not that he'll listen to it anyway. But, you know, we've we, we got this one lad in church. We, we're just trying to get him into work. We have tried our best. We've done all we can on our part to get him into work. But every time he seems to get a job, he ends up taking the people out that are, you know, in authority. He's just got a, he's just got a temper and he keeps hitting people. So we thought, or he thought, he's going to join the army. Well, if you're going to start hitting people, maybe that's the best place to get in the army. And so he joined, uh, he went for all the, uh, all the tests and everything and uh, the interviews and uh, he got himself into 
the army or the first stages of the army. And uh, I always remember I was taking him to Bir- over to Birmingham. We were doing some food bank stuff and we was there. And the phone went and uh, someone rang to say that he'd got his uniform. And so I got the food and everything and I brought him back to uh, Bilston and he went off and he got his uniform and I said, Lord, thank you. At least at last he's got a job. He's got something. He can do something with his life. He lasted two days. I said, what on earth happened? He says, well, there's this sergeant major and he was shouting orders at me and I wanted to hit him and I stopped myself from hitting him uh, and, and there were words that were said and he says, I just didn't understand the orders. Listen, church, we've got the orders. Our orders are loud and clear. The Bible says go into all the world and make disciples. If that isn't clear enough, church, I don't know what is. So what are we playing at? Why have we struggled as churches to do that for so many years? The orders this morning, church, are loud and they are clear. The Great Commission is loud and clear. Is Jesus speaking to somebody else? Is Jesus speaking to another church? No, he's talking to this church. And he's talking to my church. He's talking to me. The text here applies to us all. It includes all of us. For you, it might mean go. It might mean stay. But whether you go or whether you stay, you've still got a voice. You still have influence. You know, not everybody went with Jesus, did they? Not everybody traveled with Jesus. Martha... Mary, Lazarus, Zacchaeus, Nicodemus, they, they didn't go on Jesus' journeys. Jairus, the woman at the well. Do you know what God said to Isaiah? God said, you go and tell this people. This people. This people means this people in and around you where you work. This people. Some people think discipleship and and mission is going abroad, getting on a boat or a plane these days and going to some countries. It, it's not, you know, I've discipled more people in this area, in my own life and sphere and area, geography, than I ever have abroad. Listen, this morning, church, you are a disciple maker where God has placed you. Amen? Your corner of the vineyard. So just get hold of that this morning, church. It's the divine imperative. Go and make. It's a must for every believer. Second thing is this. There's demands involved. There's demands involved, isn't there? Like I said, it's a command. It's a, it, it, it's a mandate. Make disciples. And that, that involves activity with people. That's getting alongside people. Support. How many people have you supported? How many people have you mentored? Encouraging, growing, leading, apprenticing, learning, teaching obedience. And the great thing is, church, this morning, you know, Jesus has given authority to do this. And he's given us all the help that we need. And he's with us. Do you know what? You know what Jesus does? He works in us and he works through us. Oswald Chambers said this Our Lord's conception of discipleship is not that we work for God, 
but that God works through us. How many of you are pleased that God works through you? Come on, give me a show of hands. You're pleased that God works through you. Max Licardo said this, the principle of discipleship is that we leave footprints to guide others. Church, listen up. You have got to lead so others can follow. There has to be an example in your life when it comes to discipleship. Like I said, I'm a drummer. I've been drumming since I was born. Someone said I was a born drummer. My wife gets really annoyed because I can never keep my hands still. I'm always, I'm always tapping something. Or, Just keep your hands still. Stop it and I can't help it. But you know, we've got, I've got two grandchildren. Since I last came, I've got another one now. I've got a grandson. I've got Jaima, the Lord will provide, and he certainly did. But we got little Reggie. Now, little Reggie, I've, I've bought him a drum kit for Christmas. He's just gone one. And this thing was on Facebook Marketplace. You can get anything on there. In fact, when I leave this church, I'm going over to the other side of Birmingham to get another drum kit, but that's another story. But you know, I bought him a drum kit, and you know what? The other day, I'd got the drumstick, and I'm, I'm trying to just teach him rhythm, is he? Just get some rhythm into him. And I went, one, two, three, four, with a stick. Do you know what little Reggie did? Four times. Wow. One years old. One years old. Do you know what that is? That's discipleship. You show, you show as a believer. You show others how to do it. You show others what to do. And believe me, the amount of discipleship that was put into me, I had to put into practice. And the amount of discipleship that I have put into other people, you just have to go and do the same. Go and do likewise. I'm hoping he'll be, you know, when he grows up, I know there's a long way to go with him, but I'm hoping he'll end up like Keith Moon. No, not Keith Moon. Maybe I need to mention somebody else, some other good drummer. There's a long way to go, church, but we have to start somewhere with our new believers. I am so glad that back in 1982, when I came into church, there were three or four people that took a real interest in me. Some people in the church saw me walk in with spiked hair. I used to put pump whitener in my hair to spike it up, and I used to wear one pink sock and one green sock. My jeans were ripped. I'd got zips on them, but Jesus saved me. That's how I went into church. Some people said, what's he doing here? Wow, that's a great welcome, isn't it? What's he doing here? What are you doing here? But there were four, three or four people that actually took an interest in me and they discipled me. Wow, how do you get from a punk rocker to a pastor? Yes, it's Jesus, but I'll tell you something else. It's people like you that invest in the lives of some of these younger people. Invest into them. Even if they're older people, even older people need discipling. Amen? Keep the discipleship going. There is demands involved. You don't, just get, you don't just get the gift of discipleship overnight. You don't just get the gift of character overnight. These things, you, you can't microwave the things that we're talking about. Discipleship is an ongoing thing. You know, Jesus spent 30 years in preparation for three years of ministry. Did you get that? 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. Of ministry. And you just follow Jesus, church. A 
step at a time. Amen? And there's things, I've got to say that there's things that just have to go as you grow. John Ordberg says this, the decision to grow always involves a chance between risk and comfort. This means to be a follower of Jesus, you must renounce comfort as the ultimate value of your life. Do you know when I got saved back in 1982, there were, there were things that were still comfortable. Yes, I'd come to Jesus and I'd asked him to forgive me of my sin, but you know, there were things that were comfortable in my own life that I could have just carried on doing. There was the smoking, there was the drinking, there was the clubbing, there was the, the, the mates, there was the places, there was the social life. All of that was still attached to, my, to me and, and my life. And I had to, you know, when I answered the call to discipleship, I had to make some big decisions. And I quickly found out of the demands involved. There was decisions to make. There was partings to make. There was departure. There was farewell. There was goodbyes. If I've got a cross to take up and daily follow Jesus, then some of that junk has got to go. Some of that stuff just had to go. Like Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I die daily. There were some things that I just had to die to. Some of that stuff. Listen, if you feed it, it lives. If you starve it, it dies. Amen? You keep feeding some of that stuff that's in your life that's not honorable to God, that's going to keep living in you. You've got to starve it. Some of you ladies that have got 50-year-old men still in the house, kick them out, starve them. Otherwise, if you keep feeding them your lovely food, they'll stay with you and they'll never get a woman and get married. You starve them, kick them out. <laughs> but don't tell people I said that. <laughs> Do you know what I said, church? I said, Lord, if I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, that nicotine isn't welcome here. And I had to stop. That alcohol addiction that I've got, I just cannot go a day without drinking four or five pints of beer. That has got to go because if I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, church, there's some departure that's got to take place. Amen. One of the demands involved for me was departure. You remember Peter? Peter said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. Peter, Andrew, James, John, they, they knew what was involved. They had to leave jobs. They had to leave nets. They were fishermen. They had to leave families. They left priorities, plans, and all else to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you've got to do that, but what I would say, church, is some of those old habits have got to go. Some of those things that have not been honorable to God have got to go. Old associations too. You know, I had a, I had a load of mates, but they were trouble because I was trouble. Fighting down West Brom and Wolves the next week and any, anybody who wanted a fight, I was in three pints of lager and a packet of crisps. I was ready to fight them. That had to go. The, the, the old nature. Listen, if any man is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The new has to come. Matthew. Just reading about Matthew, Levi, the other day. The Bible says that he just had to leave that tax booth. 
There was others in Scripture. The rich man, what a demand upon his life. Go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Now, God's not asking you to do that, is he, church? But it was just for that one particular man. I'm telling you something, that guy, that rich man, could be sitting in hell right now, wishing he had given everything away, and sold everything, and given it to the poor, and followed Jesus. Do you know, as I was putting this message together, there was three days, Will, where I was just praying about you. And I believe God wants to say something to you this morning because I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, has pointed out that there's people in church today, you are holding on to stuff that is holding you back in moving forward. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end of this service. If that's you, get to the prayer team. Get people praying for you. Stop holding on to some of this stuff. I know the pain of that. You, you cannot hold on to the hurt and the, the stuff that is in your heart, that even in practical, that which you are holding on to. There may be something that is something of an addiction that you just keep going back to. I was talking to someone the other day. They're Christian. They've been going on for years, but they just keep on going back to the bottle for some kind of comfort. Let me tell you, church, and we sang it at Christmas. He's full of comfort and joy. Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings joy. There's something about Jesus and what he brings. You don't have to keep going back to that stuff which is affecting you and holding you back in your Christian faith. Come out for prayer this morning. If it's holding you back, if it's, stop, if it's stopping you moving forward, drop it. Do you know the disciples, they relinquished everything. They dropped everything. And they followed Jesus. So when it comes to discipleship, number one, there's a divine imperative. Go and make disciples. Do something practical. Get alongside somebody like a young girl like that. If you're interested in music, you put all your time and effort into her. You, you, if there's someone that's into the Word of God and you see some... You know, I, I love people that are turning out for the Word of God, prayer and Bible study. There's, there's people that I invest in because I know they've got a hunger for God's Word. Well, well, get alongside them and help them in God's Word. If they're into sport, if they're into football, you get alongside them. I'm still doing this 40 years on, getting alongside people. Go and make disciples. Teach them, show them. The demands involved are... I've got to say, at times, they're really difficult. And by the way, always remember this. You are your number one sheep. <laughs> you, you, you disciple yourself. You, you get discipled. I see a lot of people that go around discipling others, yet they don't get discipled themselves. Be careful of that. We had a woman in our church, not Bilston, XL, because we're perfect there. But we had a... No, we're not. One of the churches that I used to be at, we had a woman that had the, she had, um, she had a pruning ministry. Looking in the Bible, pruning, what's that about? She'd got a pruning ministry. She went around pruning everybody else's life, Will, and putting them right. She was one of the worst, oh man, when it came to gossip, she was the worst. Sister Big Mouth. Wow. You disciple yourself. 
and then you can disciple others. You are your number one sheep. Have you got time for one more? Discipleship investment. Disciple investment. You know, Jesus poured everything that he had into 12 men for three years. That's a long time. Three years of close association, three years of investment, three years just ongoing. And much of it was on the job experience, what I would call field experience, not the classroom. Now, listen, church, this morning, I'm not against the classroom. But I think too many Christians spend far too much time in the classroom, and yet when it comes to the field, they've got no field experience at all. We have pastors, we, we have people that are getting all the, uh, all the qualifications and stuff coming out of Bible colleges, and you know, people have often said, you put them in a local church context, they haven't got the foggiest how to deal with people. Listen, God's aim is transformation, not information. Information's good. We, 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 we get in information, that's good. But listen, God is more interested in transformation. Disciples are formed, not informed. You know, the Bible says that we are to be hearers of the word, of course. But what do we do after that? We have to become doers of the word. How many people do you know that have got all the, all the qualifications and no experience in the field? I've seen this in church life. So many people with Bible knowledge, wow, they, they, they know the scriptures left, right and center. But when it comes to discipleship, they can't even get on the same level as people. Do you know one thing I've always learned, one thing I learned early on in the faith I always keep eye level with people. We all walk on the same ground. We all Do you know on Friday night I pop into a local supermarket and I get some popcorn because me and my granddaughter we have we have a popcorn party. She doesn't go to bed because I think is that eye on sugar? Um <laughs> but we just have a popcorn party anyway. And there's a guy that works in that store. And he saw me on Friday, and he knows I'm a pastor. And he says, Deck, he says, can you come and see me this week? I said, no problem. He doesn't even come to our church, but I'm going to see him this week. I says, by the way, I says, you've got a pastor. He says, he's two up here. He never sees people. He's, he's, always, he's always up here. He never, I said, I'm, I'm coming, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, we'll have a nice chat. He needs some food, I'll take him some stuff. Listen church, you get on people's levels, I don't care what position you have, whether you look as smart as me and I always think I'm the best dressed guy in church, <laughs> you know. Somebody gave me this, by the way. At, at, I thought, I'm going to wear this at Christmas. I've had so many comments about my jacket. But listen, you, you can look the part. You can sound the part and everything. If we can't get to where people are at, what on earth, what on earth are we doing? Get to people's level. We may not be the same spiritual level. Some of you are further down the field than others. You are further on in the faith than others. But always make sure that you can get to where 
people are at because people need investment. They need discipleship investment. I actually call it um, relational discipleship. I do this on the football pitch and um, do you know one guy recently, he's joined our football team, Excel. He's, he's got no confidence at all. He he's just struggles with anxiety and, and stuff. And He came to me six weeks back and he, he says, Deck, can we have a word privately? And Yeah, come on. And His name's Josh. He's not saved. His dad used to come to church and never come in but cause a disturbance outside with a gang. They've busted windows, they've damaged property and all of that. But, you know, years and years later, his son is now coming along and he's in the XL football team. That's amazing, isn't it? His dad's in jail, by the way. You keep that behavior going, you wind up in jail. He says, Deck, I've just got no confidence. I... Could you help me? Well, of course I can help you. So you know what I've started doing? I've started putting him on my team. We've got four teams going on. I always put him on my team. And every time he, he says, Deck, he says, when I take a throw in, I, I think I'm going to throw it to the wrong person. When I kick it out, I'm scared that I'm going to pass to the opposition. It's all this. Go- I says, Josh, come on. We started playing together now over the last five weeks. Every time he touches the ball, I'm there. Wow. Great touch, Josh. Well done. Oh, that's a brilliant throw, Josh. Well done. Wow, you've scored a goal. Do you know he scored a goal the other day and I went up to him and I jumped on him and he fell on the floor and I was, yes, yes, yes. Do you know what? That guy has changed in four weeks. He is so confident now on the football pitch. Can you see what you can do if you invest? Now, you do that out there in the world and, and, you know, in sport and stuff, but you can do that for believers that have just got no confidence, that are really struggling. Mental health is a massive thing these days. Wow, you've got to get alongside some of these people that are struggling up here and just encourage them. Just get alongside them. Just be a Barnabas. Tax investment. Vicky, when we were talking a few months ago, when you booked me up to come here, Vicky said, what's been my experience with discipleship? That was one of her questions. I'll tell you something. Constant letdown. You try discipling people. Constant letdown. But listen, you keep investing. People have let me down left, right and centre, but I've kept investing in them and now I can leave them to do things that I used to do. You keep investing, church, in other people. As one man sharpens another man, so iron sharpens iron. You're iron this morning and you've got some iron to sharpen. Barnabas, I mentioned, discipled Paul. Paul discipled Timothy and many others. Moses, Moses invested in Joshua. Elijah invested in Elisha. Naomi invested in Ruth. You keep investing in these other people that God puts before you. Church, this morning, who are you investing in? The Bible has a lot to say about others. Others. We've got to work with others. Do you know some of the best, I think, some of the best disciples in Wolverhampton, Bilston, Darleston, Warsaw? Do you know who the best disciples are? 
drug dealers. My life, do they, do they know how to disciple? They're getting alongside some of our young people in my town, even Sedgley. They're getting alongside them. They're showing them how it's done. They're showing them how to distribute this junk and rubbish which is wrecking people's lives. And we often pray for them. But they know how to do it. They know how to hang around in certain places. They know who to look for. They're targeting our schools and you need to be praying, church, concerning your schools. They know who to target. Did you know some information that I found out recently? There's a big push on the West. Some of your people that live in and around, some of your young people are going out into Shropshire, the towns of Shropshire, and they're providing all this junk which is killing our kids. They've moved into the Mid Wales area to Newtown and Welshpool and some of the other towns within Wales, and they've moved out as far as the coast. Aberystwyth has a drug problem. These towns and cities across Wales, they've pushed it all west. And let me tell you, they've done a cracking job because people are getting hooked. That's discipleship. And yet we come to church and we praise the Lord, oh my soul. And, and, and who are we discipling? We cannot rely on the glory times of just meeting to church and just having you church. Listen, we have got to step up in this area of discipleship. We have got to disciple young men, young women that can take this gospel seriously and take it out there into their world. My prayer has been for many years that the gospel of Jesus Christ would head west. I was driving around Wolverhampton and I just saw the, the A41 Tetnell Road and God really laid it on my heart to pray for west. We haven't got any assemblies of God churches in Shropshire. Where, where, there's churches. There's not too many churches like this who know how to praise the Lord and Go and make. Church this morning, come on. I pray, I've been praying for three days for you and my prayer is that God would convict you. Listen, you may have failed in the area of discipleship. But listen, failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal. Pick yourself up. Just go to a person. That person needs help. That person needs discipline. Go again. Go and make again. Mother Teresa said this, it is the courage to continue that counts. <laughs> yeah. Listen, my time's gone. In conclusion, sorry I didn't give you this DI, Millie, but if we fail to go, we'll see the disastrous implications of not going. Someone said this, the cost of discipleship is indeed great, but the cost of non-discipleship is far greater. Junction 10, my prayer has been for you that you would raise up disciples, people that just get alongside those that need to grow in the faith and can go in the faith. Can I pray for you before we hand it back to Will this morning? I don't know if there's any of those points that have spoken to you this morning.
Jesus. Oh, bless you, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning for from us. Lord, would you forgive us for the lack? Would you forgive us for times when we have not took the call seriously? You've told us, Lord, to go and to make. Often, Lord, there's times when we've done neither. So forgive us, Lord. And I pray from this day forward that we would have that heart intention to go and also make. I pray that we would take the investment seriously, Lord. Lord, you, you put people in front of us every day. You, there's people all the time that we can have influence with and, and, and invest in. So I just pray, Lord, that even from this day forward, people from this church would be able to testify that, wow, someone came in my direction and I was able to help and bless them in their Christian life. Lord, help us to disciple. Lord, help us. The, help us to apprentice. Help us to... People just need teaching. I pray for this church's leadership, Lord, that the programs that they have would always be those that help and encourage and bless Christian people that need it. Lord, we cannot do it on our own. We, 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 you, your word says, iron sharpens iron, so... Help us to sharpen somebody else. And at the same time, Lord, help us to be sharpened too. God, we just simply say, would you please help us? We hate to think what this world would become if we were to not take that call seriously. So, Father, we pray, help us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with power so that we can go and minister and help those that just need it and need to grow. Pray for this church's efforts, Lord. Everything that this church does in the way of discipleship, all the words that are coming into this house at the moment, convict us, speak to us, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. God bless you, Will.